You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. The way to make a company most successful is when you make it a community. Why? Because a network gives you reach, but a community gives you power. Networks connect and communities care. And when you build a culture that is a community, you're creating a people that want to support each other in every way they can. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. You might think that this week's guest is maybe slightly different to the guests I would normally have on the podcast, but we had an interesting discussion about using social media for employer branding and really raising awareness of what it's like to work in your organization. So I thought it'd be great to have a chat today with Ted Rubin. Ted is a leading social marketing strategist, a speaker, Photofy CMO, author, connector and provocateur. In 2009, he started using or evangelizing the term ROR or return on relationship. And you can use the hashtag R on R. Many people know Ted for his enthusiastic, energetic and undeniably personal connection to people. I had a really, really great conversation with Ted about putting people first in organizations. Uh, Don't forget to stay tuned to the end of the episode where I'll summarize some of the key points that we discussed on the podcast. I really, really hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Ted, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to have you as my guest today. We met in sort of a roundabout, random type of way where you were speaking at an event run by Sam Kelly, uh, the Tweeting Goddess, as part of the Women's Inspire Network. And we happened to be in a networking room together and you mentioned something about employer branding and how to use social media for employer branding. And I thought, wow, that would sounds like it would be such a great topic to talk about on the podcast. And then we, as part of this networking, we were sort of kicked out into a main room. So we never really got to continue the conversation. But thankfully, Sam connected us uh, afterwards. So um, shout out to Sam Kelly for that. Really appreciate it. Ted, do you want to give listeners a bit of a flavor of who you are and and what you're about? Well, first, Aoife, I want to thank you for having me here. It really was a pleasure meeting you. I, I, I really love that platform that Sam used for her event where we kind of had tables and we got to engage like that. But, you know, similar to some of these events where they pull you from a table and tell you, you need to get up on move. You know, (laughs) of course we had to do that. And then, you know, again, unlike being in an event where we can kind of look at each other and go, yeah, (laughs) Uh, you know, you you really couldn't do it there. So I'm really excited that you followed up. Um, Look, I'm 63 years old. If I told you everything about me, we'd be on this thing for a couple of hours. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a long journey, but basically um, I am a marketer. Um, I was in sales from most of the beginning of my life. Um, I discovered the internet in 1997. I joined Seth Godin, uh, who most of your uh, audience is probably familiar with. Um, I was lucky to join his startup when he was still not who he is today. Um, Uh, I moved back to New York from Florida to work with him. Uh, I left my family behind for the time being, made the critical mistake of moving in with my in-laws for a little while. Don't ever, ever do that (laughs) unless you really, really have to, especially if they're like the Costanzas from the Seinfeld show. Uh, They wake up and just scream at each other all day. So I used to get out of that house as soon as I could. And the good fortune that happened with that was that Seth was an early riser and I got to be alone in the office with him for a good deal of time while he was coming up with a lot of his original thinking about permission marketing, you know, how, how to communicate with consumers and the idea virus and how ideas spread. And he also created a great work environment, which was a continuation of my thinking of how to make people perform their best by making them feel their best and giving them a place where they really want to come to versus, you know, a poor and, and, and don't want to be at and people they want to work with. So I kind of moved along in that front. Um, after all the learning I got from Seth, I, I kind of moved into the marketing side of things. Um, I was the CMO of a small cosmetics company called Elf Cosmetics, which is now a multi-billion dollar company. Um, I got to, I jumped into social media um, when I was there. Um, was kind of one of the first companies to move my entire marketing budget, which was really limited. It was mostly about the people, but I moved it into, um, 
um, um, social media. And I got my first view into what it means when people on your team are directly communicating with their with the consumers and with the people you work with. And, and I needed to create content. So my content wasn't just about my product because we realized early on it gets boring when all you do is show your content, show your product, show your product. It's the greatest. It's beautiful. But we started showing content about our employees and things they did. Our creative director became created a blog that was about her life in New York City as a young person. And it drove huge amounts of conversation and traffic. And what did it do? It created a, an image and a culture around the brand that, that that for us really helped our, our brand grow. And when we decided to make the move from strictly digital into store, it was our online followers that drove that who showed up in droves at the stores to support our product and being able to buy it on a moment's notice, only one piece at a time, because we used to require a pretty large, order in order to get their free shipping. Um, and it's just kind of progressed from there. Um, I, I moved from there to a company called um, OpenSky, which was a peer-to-peer commerce type of venture. Um, I helped grow their following, brought in, again, a lot of social media, a lot of bloggers, a lot of conversation, communicated directly with consumers, shared their content. Um, and, and matter of fact, at Elf, I created the first website that aggregated the content being created by our customers and by our employees. So anytime anybody mentioned the brand, we sucked it into an environment where people could watch it. And what we learned was even the crappiest content created by people that loved the product and loved the brand uh, created more traffic and generated more interest than all the um, high level, sophisticated content we were creating. Um, From there, from there, I joined a company called Collective Bias, which again started um, empowering the use of content to, to create um, uh, the marketing plan for the companies. I like to say that the content is the ad now, that the best con- the best a- advertising is actual content. And we've all seen that, the, the TikTok videos, Snapchat, all the, all the photos and things people are creating. Brands are desperate to get people to talk about and share their content. Um, and it's funny, I was just watching on the History Channel yesterday a story about the beginnings of the um, confection business in the States, Hershey and Curtis Candies, which created the Babe Ruth Bar, and how the, the owner there, I forgot his full name, his first name was Otto, was the first person to take a product and put it into entertainment. And he had Shirley Temple getting one of his butternut bars, which started this whole idea of we want to see people enjoying our products using our product. So who's better for that than your customers and some, a a group that's been tremendously overlooked, your employees, because they can really share what the company is about. Um, uh, Collective Bias was acquired. John Andrews and I started doing a lot more around content and connecting with people. Um, We've been running Photify for the last three years. Um, I, I, I have just stepped down. I'm no longer the CMO of Photify. I'm just an advisor to the company now, but Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about, um, employee created content and how employees power the brand and all the different things that come about like that. And that's where you and I would have gone in our conversation if we had had a chance to do it then. But I think maybe we can do it now. What do you say? Yes, absolutely. 100% agree, Ted. And I love this idea of how it started, that it's, you know, quite simple that someone just started sharing something about their own personal life, their own personal experience in New York to give an insight to people. And that resonated so much that customers went out and were like, oh, I'm like that person. So maybe I will go out and and I'll enjoy this product too, you know, and really getting behind. So yeah, no, absolutely 100% buy into this, this idea. And I'd love to get your views on how that works specifically in the employee realm. So, for example, if, you, if you're using, sorry, using is not probably the, the correct word to use in this scenario, but if, if employees are putting out this content about what it's like to work in this place and, and not just that, but this is what my life is like all around, uh, you know, this is what my life is like in general, how does that translate then into recruiting and and hiring and really understanding who it is that you want to work in your organization and how to attract those right people. 
Okay, well, there are two sides to this. One side is the marketing side, the marketing to the consumer side. Yeah. And by the way, that could, that's in B2B also, because consumers are your end, any end user. Like we use the word consumer and we restrict it to people like you and me when yeah. we buy consumer goods. Yeah. But consumers are also B2B companies that buy yeah. your product. So, mm. you know, the, the, there's the marketing side. And then, of course, there's the recruitment and the, and the retention um, yes. and the HR side of things. Yeah. Unfortunately... For the most part, companies are still afraid of those things, even more than they're afraid of employees sharing content about, you know, <laughs> about about the products. Yeah. And, and they're afraid of that, too. Now, I like to say empower your employees and they will power your brand mm. and they will power your brand in, a, in in multiple ways. They'll power your brand because, you know, if, if a consumer real, it shows if an, I mean, sorry, excuse me, if an employee really shows they believe in your product, well, then consumers are going to believe in the product even more because look who's closest to it. The, the, the employees, they know the product, they know how it's yeah. created. They know the, the thinking behind it. So if they're sharing that they're using it or what they're doing, that's a big, that's a really big market generator for, for the company. And the way in, in employee advocacy started out, it was, it, it, and it still is an, an important part of it, was a companies like Dynamic Signal, um, whose board I happened to sit on, but I sit on their board because at the time, years ago, back in 2013, I was talking about empowering your employees to share content about the company. And they created a, a software that actually empowered that empowered it with the consume with with the employees but also empowered management to have some kind of control over it to 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 be able to see what's going to put us some guardrails to share content that they want to see shared and that was one form of employee sharing it was sharing the content that the brand was creating in order to get more reach to consumers and then there's the side of of empowering employees to create their own content and what's Let's take it to the recruitment side. You know, if people can share themselves what's great about a company or what they like about work, or by the way, even what they're not happy about, it okay. shows a, an embracing uh, of, of those people by the company itself. So to me, it's just like when someone says something negative about a brand and the brand gets all nervous. To me, that's yeah. an opportunity. That's yeah. an opportunity to address it. You know, I, I like to say that haters hate. And I tend to ignore haters. Someone who's a hater just says nasty, evil things and tries to hurt you. But critics have a huge value. And I think they also mm. have a value internally because your employees are the ones that can best express to you what you can do better to keep them around, to mm. make them feel good about where they work, to encourage their friends to come work for you. I mean, most companies have an incentive plan where if there's a job opening, an employee can bring in someone they know or recommend somebody and they get something yeah. for it. Yeah. But that, that incentive to me is way less important than the incentive of them really wanting people they know to work there. In other words, it's great to get $1,000. Who doesn't want $1,000? But very few employees will do something like that just for the money if they're mm. not happy working there, especially yeah. the people they know best. Like, you know, do <laughs> yeah. I want to do I want to bring Aoife into the company or do I want to go, yeah, it's a great place to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you don't want to come here. Well, then mm. why are you still there? Well, a lot of people stay in their jobs because they need work, because yeah. they because they get comfortable, because they don't have someplace else to go, or just straight fear. But are those the employees you really want? Exactly. You want the, and the same thing goes about sharing content. If you say, well, we don't trust our employees to share content, well, then my answer is, well, then you probably have the wrong employees. Yes. Or... And the, the, the other side of that is you're probably not creating the kind of work environment that mm -hmm. you should be creating. You're not yeah. training them properly. You're yeah. not giving them a reason to want to share in a way that you're comfortable with. So, you know, employee-created content is important on so many fronts. It, it's it's hugely valuable as a market, as a marketing mm -hmm. standpoint. Let's look at retailers franchises, um, direct sales companies. These, they have tens of thousands of employees. Think of the increased reach you're getting by taking that, by having them create content because they love the brand, because they're yeah. using the brand, because they're talking about it. How about them creating content of just about what's going on in their community so that people say, oh, I'm not just following them because they're writing about their brand. They're also sharing about their personal life, about who they are. So like, uh, look, I'm a big proponent of 
using LinkedIn to not just share about business, but to share about who you are. Yeah. You know, I, I get, a, I just recently had pushback from somebody who said, wow, this is a great post. Um, wouldn't it be wonderful if you posted it on Facebook? And, <laughs> and it, it was about me becoming a grand uncle and, and, and having a, 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 a great nephew. Yeah. And I was like, well, I did post it to Facebook, but I'm also posting it here. Yeah, and, yeah. and then I posted an article I wrote that says, who makes you the arbiter of what belongs here and doesn't? It's called social media for a reason. And it's also social media because on my page, whether it's my business page or my personal page, mm. I get to share what I want to share. Yeah, yeah, And the yeah. beauty of social media is it's the ultimate in permission marketing. Because mm. if you don't like what I'm sharing, Stop coming to my page. Yeah. If you don't yeah. like what I'm sharing, let's say, well, it's coming up in the feed, then unfriend me. Or yeah. like on look look at Facebook has a great feature. I have friends that I don't want to unfriend who I don't like a lot of what they post. So I just change the setting so I no longer see what they're posting. Exactly. Now, yeah. <laughs> now if I'm about to have a conversation with them, I'll jump to their page. So I yeah. cause I still want to know what's going on in their life and I can take a quick look, but it's not constantly hitting my feet. Yeah. So um you know, when this woman wrote it, my answer was just I don't get angry. You know, I write back and I, I say, I did post it. I posted it at Facebook. I posted it on Instagram. I posted it everywhere. Yeah. But I'm also posting it here because I want the people I do business with to know who I am as a human being. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, on LinkedIn, I get more views and more likes on most of the personal stuff I post. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the common. Yeah. Why? Why? Because they're inundated with this article and that article and how to improve your thing and how to be a better coach and how to sell more. And then yeah. all of a sudden they see somebody holding their new grandchild or their new mm. grandies or, and saying, you know, there's more to life than work. Um, and, and I also, like I said, I think people want to know who people are these days. I think yeah. I, like I, I, they want to know who they're doing business with. Yeah, yeah. And that's for, that's, that's for better or worse. In other yeah. words, I, I, if you're, if, if you don't believe in my beliefs or, or you think differently, that's okay. Mm. As long as you do it professionally and you don't give me a hard time about what I'm doing. So, exactly, you know, yeah. I, I, I just think that making everything more personal, I think the work, I think the work world has changed. I think there's no longer two personas and, and you'll find very few people like this who are one person at home and one person at work, not just because that's old school, but because it's hard to do. It's hard to be more than one person in different places. And, you know, if you want people to really be happy where they were, create true relationships, um, you know, one of the things I've been saying for forever, I mean, I was preaching this back in the 90s. Uh, was that if people like where they work, they're going to stay there longer. Yeah. And if they like the people they work with, yeah. even if something at work isn't the, exactly the way they like it, they're going to tend to stay longer because they don't want to leave their friends. They don't want to yeah. leave that. And here's a really important word. They don't want to leave that community because yeah. companies are communities. So a, lot of, a lot of people overlook this, that a business is not just a business. It's not just a culture. It's a community and that community is made up of employees. And if it's done correctly, it's made up of employees at all different levels. So it's not just the community of the people that work on the factory floor. And it's not just the community of people in marketing, but you bring those people together. There's sub communities. It's kind of mm -hmm. like the old Google. Um, um, what was the Google? Uh, Google um, plus was this? Google, no, plus? Uh, Google plus, but you know, it was all about circles. Google circles, and, Google circles, you know, and, and parts overlap. And then yeah. in the middle, you have where everybody overlaps. And, you know, the, to me, the way to make a company most successful is when you make it a community. Why? Because a network gives you reach, but a community gives you power. Yeah. Networks yeah. connect and communities care. And when you build <clears throat> a culture that is a community, you're creating a people that want to support each other in every way they can. And just to yeah. me, you know, there are, it, it, look, that doesn't mean a company can't be successful by not doing that. And here's where we hit, uh, 
here's where we hit a lot of resistance. Yeah. Is whether it's marketing, whether it's employee advocacy, whether it's building a community, there's always going to be successes and successful companies that don't do it the way that we feel is the best way to do it. Mm. And people go, look, look at them. They're successful. We, we can be <laughs> like they are. That doesn't it, look, it's like anything else. There, there are, there are, are families that are totally uh, disconnected, but they work. That mm. doesn't mean you want to be that way. There's, you know, there's always a, a, a way that gives you the best chance for success. But more than that, I think a lot of companies are trying to create a place where people want to be now. I think that, yes. don't get me wrong, it's yeah. about success and it's about making money and it's about doing well. But I think a lot of companies, especially now since the pandemic, where people have gotten a much deeper view into the well-being of their colleagues, that I think, I think a lot of companies are saying, we want people to be happy here. We mm. want people to feel like this is a good place to work. We've learned one of, one of the things we've learned during this pandemic is that a lot of companies have finally realized that people can work remotely and be not only as effective, but yeah. very often but more. more productive yeah, and more absolutely. effective yeah, because yeah. they're not running back and forth. They're not having the pull from home to come pick up their kid or to go watch a game. They can yeah. do it easily because they naturally go right back to work. Instead of the days like when I used to leave the office making believe I was going to a business meeting, yeah. even when I was CMO, I still made up a story and I was actually at my daughter's soccer game, but I had my phone and I could keep up and I could do things. But why not be able to do that without having to hide it? Think of exactly. How yeah. You can be if you say, hey, I've been working since 7 a.m. I'm going to my kid's game right now. Yeah. I'll be offline for the next hour or two, but I'll be jumping back in. And I think they've realized that people are not um, adverse to working later at night, to being able to take an hour in the middle of the day to have lunch or to do something with their family, um, especially with all the kids that were home for all this time. I think yes. people learned and companies learn that. And I think there's going to be a, a lot of changes. I think yeah. that a lot of office space is going to go empty. Yeah. Um, I think that, of course, don't get me wrong, there's still going to be offices. There's going to still mm. be companies that are more effective when they're there. They're going to still be companies that want offices where they want employees to come in once or twice a week. I think that's great because yeah. you want some face-to-face -face time. But I think they're going to be a lot more um, loose and a lot easier with letting people work remote. I mean, just look at recruiting, okay? You're, you're talking HR, right? Yeah. I get a lot of recruiting um, emails. Uh, most of them are asking me for recommendations of people. Some are asking for me. But I would say that before the pandemic, 80 to 90% of them told me the cities the person had to be in. Said like yeah, this person yeah, yeah. either has to be at our main office here or we might, we might allow them to work out of our New York office or our Southeastern <laughs> office. We now might. I would say 80 to 90% of the recruitment emails I get say that this person can be located almost anywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, again, we're talking a little bit higher level here because, mm. you know, it depends on what your job is. Obviously, if you're working in a restaurant, you, know, you, you have can't to be, be there. Remote. Yeah. Um, but for, especially for marketing jobs, like I have seen a lot of high level marketing jobs now where they're totally open. And what does that do? That opens the recruitment process to yeah. so many more candidates Yeah. because there were so many people that wouldn't move. Plus, it saves the money of having to move people across the country and then they don't work out and then you move the next person across yeah. the country. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, and I just think that also um, this remote work is going to open up so many jobs to so many more people. Yeah. And then, you know, look, you might have noticed that recently we're seeing a lot of articles saying that remote work doesn't work and that people aren't as effective. You know what? All, who's paying for all of those articles? The real estate industry. <laughs> the REITs, I haven't, the, I, to be honest, I haven't seen any of those articles, well, they're, they're, but I'm well, going they, to look for them well, after I, this I conversation. That they, they kind of started in the middle of the pandemic and they have kind of petered out because people have pushed back saying that's not true. <laughs> and then yeah. when research was done yeah. and they could find, they could find out from the proper PR people who were, who were paying for these articles to be posted. Yeah. It was the people that are looking to save their buildings or yeah, the of course. back in. Yeah. So I, I, and I just think that we, and we kind of got into this very briefly before we started the recording. Um, things are going to change. Yeah. And but I think it's it's not going to be one way or the other. There's going to be a mix. I think companies are going to realize, look, a lot of people are anxious to get back to seeing people. 
Um, but they've also learned how great it is. Even people, it's not just the companies. A lot of people who thought, oh no, I like to go to the office. I yeah. like to be there. I like to be around my people, like to get out of the house. All of a sudden they've experienced being home and sure, they want to get back where they can get out a few days a week, but they've realized that they can be really productive, that yeah. their family lives have improved, yeah. that they're closer to their kids, that they're not missing things they missed before. And I think this is all about empowering employees to power your brand, empower them yes. to set up their own schedules, how they can work best, what they can do, and then work with them. I don't mean just give them a free hand, but I think it's 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 happiness in the workplace's job, you know, it, it, within companies to figure out what's the best mix going forward and to experiment with that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. There's so, so much there, Ted, to dive into. Maybe we'll start with this idea of community. I haven't actually heard anyone else describe a culture that is more of a community. So it's not about culture, it's about creating this community. Um, and, and before that, we, we sort of touched on this idea of um, your employees need to want to work there. So if your employees are creating that content and you want to trust your employees, you want to make sure that you have those right employees in the first place and that so that you can entrust them to share the content that is real and that is authentic, but that, that builds you as an employer, but also as, you know, whatever product or service that you're selling as well, that people kind of buy into that. And I'd love to get your views on building that type of organization where you are hiring the right people. Any any views on that? I have my own views and I'm happy to share those afterwards, but any thoughts on how to get the right people through the door in the first place? Well, first of all, I'll say I'm not an expert in this field. So I just want to, I want to clarify that to the beginning. What I wanna, this is really more of a conversation and I'm sharing something. So first of all, I love the idea of people recruiting people. I yeah. love the idea of employees bringing other employees because you tend to get like-minded people. You tend to get people that, that other people can work with. That, yeah. that if you have a good core group and they bring in other people that they feel would fit in, I think they know better than a corporate HR person sitting in an office in front of a computer screen, even with all the valuable software to help them sort through this. So I, it, so then it, goes, it kind of brings us back to that point of happy employees you know, are, are also happy or happier to bring people into the organization. Hmm. I also think a lot of it goes to tools. So again, you know, a couple of the companies I work with, uh, Dynamic Signal is, 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 has really pivoted or let me say evolved into more of a full on um, communication tool for companies, you know, that, that it kind of in, in the mode of a Slack or other things like that. But again, a big part of their, of their um, offering is in is employee is employee advocacy is being able to share content and being able to have the tools so that a senior manager can say yeah I approve of that or people can recommend things they want to share or they can yeah. give them things that are pre-approved by the company because the biggest yeah. reason most most employees don't share content about the company is they don't want to get in trouble yeah. They don't want to have a problem. So I think a big part is company looking for the tools. And then there's Photify. Look, one of the reasons I, I got so involved in Photify, and I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a partner in the company, I'm a shareholder, is that um, we're, we created a tool for people to create content on the fly and share it. And we've created it as an enterprise solution where companies, again, can put up guardrails, can add the perfect branding, can, can add their logo with the right colors, can add overlays that are pre-written so there's no misspellings, you know, can do a lot of things that can give employees the right to, like you said, pictures in the workplace. What's going yeah. on? What are we doing? And then there's even a, the capability in that and our enterprise tool to, to pre-approve things before they go out. I mean, my opinion is, I think that's going a little too far. I think you have to give people a little leeway. It's yeah. not that hard to back things up. But again, people can also prove themselves. They can earn a badge. They can earn the right to do it. They can you know, go through training. So I think tools are, are really important in, yeah. in, 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 in that respect. Yeah, and, no, I like that. And for me, you know, let, let me just tell you where a lot of the... So I've always been talking about community. And where a lot of this came from is that Photify... 
The companies we work most with are direct selling companies. Now, you know what direct sellers are. That's the yeah. way you work for like a Mary Kay or Ronan and Field or, or I, we consider, um, we put real estate into the bucket of direct sales because it's yeah. very similar to the rest, direct sales business. You're like your own business. Like if you go yeah. into real estate, they say, listen, you have to think of this like your own business. You got to promote yourself. You got to talk to your friends. You got to share. And the reason um, we also work with them is it was, it was, kind of the easiest avenue for us to attack because they are all pushing all of their people to share on social media. How do you build your business in real estate? How do you build your business in direct sales? Create social media, create a community. And what I love about that business is they are like communities because their whole concept of growing their business is people bringing in people they know, is people helping each other. So you know how this works. There's There's a district person and then they have people under them. In real estate, there's someone that the realtor that owns the office and then there's people that work for them. And then usually when you come into the office, you, you join a team and that's because they, they create community. Yeah. And, and they have events where all their people come together and they support each other and they talk about best practices and, and their best sales people get on the stage. And I did a lot of work with Mary Kay back in the day. And I, 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 I emceed one of their global events for four days. And I really got to know I, a lot of the people that work there and what they do. And a big part of what they do is creating community. is creating people that help each other. So to me, I see this as a natural extension into all companies Mm. because if you can create that, and we know, we all know companies like that where people just love working there or they talk about it all the time. Uh, Usually it starts when they're a little smaller and more as a startup and a lot of these companies lose it as they grow bigger. But still, how many people do you know? And I'm sure you know a lot of them that are proud of where they work. Yeah, I I work at Facebook. It's such a great place. Oh my God, Google, they do so much for us. And we have access to so many great things and, and, and the benefits are great, you know, and then there are the companies that, that keep the benefits as tight as possible because they, they think it'll affect their overhead. To me, that's like hotels that take extra bars of soap out of the room and extra, (laughs) and extra, um, and extra garbage cans out because there's a bean counter in charge. That's when yeah. you know the organization CFO is in charge. Yeah, yeah. He's looking at short-term dollars and how we can save money. Whereas when there's somebody that's a people person involved, when they really understand if you make people feel great about where they work, they're going to be more productive. It's a whole different environment. And that, to me, is how you create community. And I just think of more companies. And by the way, this is kind of a new concept. Uh, matter of fact, I might have even just come up with it here on this podcast. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first. I mean, I do. I talk about community all the time. I talk about empowering employees. This is the first time where I made the jump. And if you remember, when we were first starting, I said, I love these things when they're just off the cuff. Yeah. Because... I create new content myself and I think that companies and I'm going to think I'm going to do a little more thinking about this afterwards, but companies need to create community. Mm. And here's the beauty of community. Community is infectious. Yeah. People want to be a part of communities. They, they want to feel a part of something. So to me, I believe, and again, I don't have experience with this because I'm talking about it kind of for the first time now, but I think of a company steps beyond culture and into community that they will bring along a lot of their customers with them. And you don't bring customers into your culture. Yeah. Uh, customers aren't a part of your culture because it's, it's internal yeah. but community to me, you know, think about the way community works. Can, you know, people watch out for each other. They, you know, you come home from a vacation and your neighbor lets you know that your 16 year old had a big party at the house. <laughs> you might not have known that otherwise. I mean, there are things where people look out for each other. And I, yeah. I think that, I think culture is, is more inter- in, in, inside facing, whereas community really reaches out. Yeah. No, I really, really liked, I really, really liked that whole concept. And You better have gotten all this because I need this now. Like, I'm going to come <laughs> back to this recording. It's being recorded in several places. So and you're, you're taking notes. So you're, and I'm you taking your, notes. I hope you share your notes with me because you don't want me taking notes because then I'm looking down like this. <laughs> I'm taking plenty of notes. Um Love this idea, but this whole concept of of people first and exactly as you said, Ted, like this pandemic has provided, I think, and presented this wonderful opportunity for organizations to reconsider how they are treating people. Loved what you said about, you know, when the bean counter is in charge because the bean counter is, you know, watching how many 
people where's the investment going and it's not about putting people first but I think if you have uh, I want to say anyone else in charge that it is about putting the people first and maybe the forward thinking CFOs that they are considering a people first approach as a way of of uh, delivering profit because ultimately it is if you can hold on to your people then you're going to save a lot of money in recruitment costs in in uh, you know training in they they say that it can cost about 200 percent if you lose someone at that especially at that executive level if you lose someone it can cost 200 percent of their salary in order to replace them so you know you're going to save 100 percent by not losing them in the first place Unfortunately, people first um, in an organization is very similar to my return on relationship concept, where it's a long-term view. And a lot of companies don't have long-term views. So they say they're going to be people first, but then that's kind of the window dressing. But then decisions are made in in a different way. And again, I, I think this pandemic displayed a lot. You saw the companies that really stood up for their employees, that took care of people, that made sure everybody got paid, that got people out of their offices first. And I also yeah. think the mindset of people changed because all of a sudden people are very concerned with the health and well-being of their colleagues. Yeah. And and, even, and, and think about this, okay? When was the last time before the pandemic you said this, like, I have a classic line I use right now. I go, I hope all is well with you and yours and that you're all safe and healthy. Yeah. Now, the expression, I hope all is well, that's been around for a long time. Yeah. But yeah. It's, almost, it's almost like the expression when you're walking down the street and you see someone, you go, how are you doing? And you don't even wait to hear how they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because, like, I'll do that sometimes and people kind of look at me. I go, I, how are you doing? I asked for a reason. And they'll, and they'll go, oh, good. Like, I didn't think you really cared. And I'm like, yeah. well, I do. And I think what happened a lot during this pandemic is we all got very accustomed to saying, are you guys okay? From many perspectives, are you healthy? God forbid yeah. you, have the, you have COVID-19. Um, are you okay financially? Are you okay mentally? There was a great article recently in the New York Times. If you go to my Facebook, I posted it. And it talked about a lot of what we're all going through, mm. that a lot of us think we're fine, but then we, we find little things we're doing that we notice, like, well, I'm staying in bed later than I used to stay, or getting out of bed is a little harder than it used to be. Or, yeah. you know, all of a sudden I stopped, like, so I'm, I'm been buying up units in my building and I've been taking over this small condominium and I had a lot of resistance. And as much as I was complaining about the people that were being nasty, the other day I was saying, I miss it. Like they finally realized <laughs> that I now own the majority of the building, but in a way I miss it because it became part of my routine having yeah. to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just think there's a, a, a lot that's going to happen there. Mm. And I, I think that a, a big change that I hope continues is our deep concern for each other. Yeah. You know, I think we've always had it for our friends, but I think it's really spread now. It's spread to people that maybe we called acquaintances. I mean, I think we have that concern for everybody. There's not one person that I reach out to or touch base with where I don't, I don't go to look at their page and make sure that, or say, I hope all is well, or, and really, and really mean it. Like I'm really waiting for the answer. It's no longer just commentary or a way to say hello. And I, I think that business, Businesses are concerned that way too. And I think that if they're not as a business, I think as humans, they have become that way. Therefore, I'm a CEO or a CMO or a CFO who maybe before leaned a little bit towards the numbers. Yeah. All of a sudden, I've seen how quickly things can go wrong. Hmm. And and I, I want these people to hold on to that feeling. Yeah. I want yeah. them to take I want them to take it forward and make it part of the way they do business. I want them to care for their people going forward as much as they have. Yeah. During this and past it does, year. It does start from the top. Like it's really important to get it right at that most right. senior level for them to show their vulnerability, to share what's going on for them in order to create that culture, in order to build that community. And I love this idea that that the community, and the note I kind of wrote down here was that it traverses employees and customers and it kind of brings right. all of those people all together. Um, we did speak very briefly before we hit the record button on this idea of the pandemic and we may not necessarily know 
the bigger impact, the longer term impact that it's going to have. And, and, and I must check out that New York Times article that you mentioned, because it's so right. It's like we're so used to we're, we're so used to the day to day. We're just getting on with things now that we take right. for granted that maybe I am actually staying in bed for a little bit longer. Maybe it is a bit harder for me to get out and and go for my run in the morning or whatever that might be. So I'll definitely check that out because I really believe that that we don't know what the full impact of this is going to be yet. I think it's going to take, uh, you know, a few years before we can properly reflect and see, especially from a mental health perspective. So, so I'm going to take it to the, you know, uh, to the positive side. I had a teacher <laughs> in, I had a teacher in sixth grade. Yeah. And it was 1969 and the Vietnam war we, and, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 um, the, the Vietnam War and a lot of the protests were were were, were in, in the news every day, and it was kind of the first times that we started hearing about um, um, things changing in the environment and everything. And I had a teacher named Mrs. Bruder, and we she she was a great teacher, so she'd get us into conversations about this. And every once in a while, when it got a little bit too negative, where people were scared, I mean, remember we're we were twelve years old. Yeah, um, she would say, "I believe in humanity." She'd say, now, I don't believe in humanity to the point where, um, like, it's not like I believe in God. Oh, God will take care of it. We don't have yeah, to worry. Yeah. If it's meant to be, that was not what she was saying. She was saying, I believe in, the, in, the, in humanity. I believe in their innovation. I believe in their desire to live and live a good life. And I believe we will come out of this better and stronger than we got into it. Hmm. And I, 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 I've always held on to that from yeah. Mrs. Bruder. Yeah. And um, I just really believe that there's a good chance we could come out of this better. We could come out of this, first of all, more prepared to deal with these things in the future. I mean, look, this could have been a much worse pandemic. I mean, I, I don't, you know, God, I could have been, you know, one of those, you know, uh, things we see in the movies, you know, exactly. You, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and I think we've, let's hope that we don't just get past it and move on. I mm. want to get past it and learn from it. I want exactly. government to be more prepared. I yeah. want us as individuals to understand what we have to do next time for ourselves and for our families when this happens. But more importantly, or take it beyond, I want to learn from this that we need to care more about people, that companies yeah. need to care about people, that, that yeah. corporate executives who are now standing up and saying, we don't agree with that. And we're going we're gonna to put our corporate might behind saying, that's not fair to, to like, like in Georgia where they're trying to make it so less people can vote or... And then you have someone saying, oh, they shouldn't get involved in this. Of course they should. Yeah. This is what affects their employees and their people. I'm just hoping that we're going to come out of this as a better world where mm-hmm. I don't, n- that next year, I also say to you, how are you? Are you okay? Is your family healthy? You know, that's more important than anything else. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that humanity will come out of this on the other side with some positive learning and things yeah. that make our lives better. That is, no, that's a really, really great approach to have, I think. The, le- the whole learning, but also see it as an opportunity to change. This is an opportunity for and, to create better workplaces, I mean, to people, create better well, lives. People were stuck at home, but they learned how great it was to be at home. I mean, I got to tell yeah. you. So I traveled every week before the pandemic or yeah. at least every other week. And uh, for the first six months or so, I'm like, this is like great. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually home. I'm, I'm living in my house. Now I'm very fortunate. I live in South Florida. It's a beautiful, you know, it, um, um, the weather is beautiful here. I've got outdoor activities I was able to do throughout the pandemic. Okay. So certainly I had it better than others. But I have to tell you, the other day I was saying, oh, you know, I'm kind of disappointed it's ending because now all of a sudden there's all that pressure to get back in the saddle and go travel again and uh, i i love the i've learned that saying no is 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 nice sometimes when someone wants you to do something and you go no i can't do it and and you can you can blame it on something well i'm not going to get together because of the pandemic when when in fact i didn't want to get together before the pandemic with that person but now i had an excuse yeah so uh, but what i want to learn from this is that i want to do what i want to do yeah and now granted there are things you have to do because you you have a community you have a family you have a job but uh, i think a lot of us hopefully will learn from this that there are some things more important in life than work and yes. that there are it's great to be around family and that companies can yeah. let us have more time with our families and we exactly. can still be together. Yeah. So yeah. okay I've I've gone on and on enough there. <laughs> this is well this is it. I mean everything that you've said is so is so so true. And um, Ted, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? 
you know, again, I'm in a different position in my life right now, but what's always made me happier at work was being felt being valued. Yeah. And be, and being valued beyond what I produce. I just posted something that I said uh, uh, um, on, on all my channels that said, people love people for who they are, not for what they produce. And, uh, you know, uh, now again, uh, I'm, I'm going to take the love part out of it for work, but I, I always felt best someplace where they wanted to hear what I had to say. I, I, I think everybody has ideas and they want to feel valued. And too many of us work in companies where, you know, brainstorming sessions, there's no brainstorming. You know, the boss tells you what he wants to talk about. He gives you talking points. You come in, you're either afraid to say something because you don't want to be laughed at or you don't want someone to get annoyed with you because that's yeah. not the result they wanted out of it or it's yes. not what they wanted to hear. So for me, what always made me happiest at work, and even to this day, look, you know, at Photify, one of the reasons I'm not there on a full-time basis anymore is because I wasn't being heard. And, and in the same way I was at, at a different time. Yeah. And by the way, that's okay. Companies go in different directions. They, 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 they focus on different things. You know, John Andrews and I are very into employee advocacy, into employee-created content, into creating community. So, you know, now we support the company in every way we can from outside, you know, and as advisors. Mm. Um, but the, to me, that's what makes me most happy. And I think, I don't think there's anybody out there, I won't say that's the top of their list, yeah. but I think everybody will fe feels in any environment they're in, you want to be heard. Yeah. You want, you know, I mean, I mean, in personal relationships, you want someone to pay attention to you when you talk to them. You want to know that they're listening to you. My mother taught me years and years ago, both my parents look at people when they talk to you. If yeah. you want them to think that you care. You know, I remember I was going on my first date and my mom looked at me. She goes, make sure you're always looking in her eyes. Don't yeah. look at every other person that walks in the door, because even if it's not because you're interested, you're just doing it as an instinct. It still makes the person you're with feel like they're not valued. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I think everybody wants to be heard. And to me, that was always the most important thing. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And uh, if people want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about what you do, what's the best way they can reach out? Well, first of all, um, my email address is tedrubin at gmail.com. Feel free to email me. I actually respond. Uh, my phone number is 516-270-5511. Um, if I don't answer the phone, my voicemail is not full, and it does take messages, <laughs> and I do listen to them. I often answer my phone. Feel free to reach anytime. Uh, reach out to me anytime. I'm Ted Rubin on just about every platform. So if you go to any of them, you'll find my, my social handle. Feel free to follow or reach out. Um, and and again, Google me, Ted Rubin on Google, probably about the first 12 to 14 pages is a lot of my stuff. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. I really, really enjoyed the conversation. I think we probably could have gone on for another few hours diving into the different uh, aspects that we spoke about today, but uh, it was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. If I really enjoyed it too. That was Ted Rubin and I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Ted was an absolute delight to chat to today. Before I move on to summarise some of the key points that we spoke about, I just wanted to let you know about coming over to social media. If you want to get involved in the conversation, if you want to add your own thoughts, you're very welcome to do so. I normally post across multiple social media platforms and you will find all of the links to those in the show notes below. So if you click into the notes, you should find direct links to connect with me there and to add your own thoughts and share what you find or if you have implemented anything. I always love to hear about that as well. So back to some of the, the key points that we discussed today. And one of the really interesting things was this idea of the employee created content. And by empowering your employees, they will then power your brand and your brand as an organization. So having that employee advocacy as well, and your employees really should be your biggest advocates. Sometimes employees also share what they're not happy about, but see this as an opportunity to address what's wrong and, and to show people how you deal with, with the critics as well. We spoke about trust and the importance of trust. And I know that has certainly come up multiple times on the podcast. It's really, really important. Another thing that we spoke about was about sharing who you really are. And you can use LinkedIn and other social media to be able to do this. And kind of reading between the lines here, it's really about finding that uh, your values, your core values and sharing 
part of who you really are. So people know what they're getting into prior to working there. We spoke about the fact that there's no longer this kind of split between the home persona and the work persona, whereas previously you might kind of, and I've seen this a lot on social media recently, where previously you would have been expected maybe to leave your home life at the door once you enter into the workplace and vice versa with work where you're you're coming home and you're not really talking about what's going on at work. You're just kind of leaving work with work. And that has all changed in recent years where now the two are, they're, they're interlinked, you know, and it's whatever is going on for you in work tends to be taken home and whatever is going on for you at home, you tend to want to be able to talk about those things with your colleagues as well. We spoke about the fact that when employees like their job and they like their colleagues, that they tend to stay longer in organisations. Ted had this new concept, which I hadn't heard of anyone speaking about before. But since then, you know, it's always the case, isn't it, that I, I've i been hearing a lot about this type of approach. So it's, it, it's the term community. So rather than you're, you're creating a, an organisation, it's about creating this community. So companies are creating places where people actually want to be. We spoke about the fact that community is infectious. So people want to be part of communities. They and, and communities tend to traverse employees and customers and people will look out for each other. So I like that idea of it's not just about the internal nature of a community, but it, it can actually span out into clients as well. And really, really like that approach. And it's about this kind of like minded. So if you find people who are similar to yourself or, or who have shared values and who are going after something similar, then you are more likely to be able to form that community. This people first and community based attitude is also a longer term view, whereas typically decisions in organisations tend to be a bit shorter term. Building communities results then in deep concern for each other. Ted mentioned this idea of having pre-approved content. So you know that by sharing content about your organisation, about the behind the scenes of what's going on for you, that if it's pre-approved, then you're not going to get in trouble by posting something about, you know, so that could be something behind the scenes or something personal that you wanted to share, but you're aware that maybe your clients uh, and your, your colleagues are going to see it as well. Coming back now to this idea of the people first, and it's, I suppose, the opposite of having what, what Ted described as the bean counter in charge. So sometimes if the finance person, the CFO is in charge, then profit tends to come before people. And something we didn't explicitly talk about, but I know has come up on previous episodes of the podcast, and I know certainly I talk about this on social media, is that when you put people first, the profits tend to follow anyway. So in other ways, you when you put people first, the money typically follows. I'd love to know if you have implemented any anything from any of the discussions I've had on the podcast, or I'd love to know what your thoughts are on implementing some of the ideas that Ted shared on the podcast today. As I mentioned, I'm always across various different social media channels, particularly LinkedIn. So if you do want to connect with me there, share your ideas, share your thoughts on uh, on, on the discussion today, I would love to hear from you. Next week, I have a wonderful guest talking all about remote working and what the future of that might look like. So how does the hybrid model work? What kind of things do we need to bear in mind? And this lady has been doing this for 25 years. So she's not just an overnight has experience of the pandemic, but has experience during the pandemic in addition to decades of experience prior to that. So I know you're really, really going to enjoy next week's conversation. Stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.